It's June 22nd, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. Let's go ahead and jump in with our Old Testament reading in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 17. Ahab's son, Jerome, began to rule over Israel in the 18th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 12 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as his father and mother. He at least tore down the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had set up. Nevertheless, he continued in the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nabat, had committed and led the people of Israel to commit. King Mesha of Moab was a sheep breeder. He used to pay the king of Israel an annual tribute of 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But after Ahab's death, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jeroboam promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. On the way, he sent this message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you join me in battle against him? And Jehoshaphat replied, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat asked, What route will we take? We will attack from the wilderness of Edom, Jerome replied. The king of Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days, but there was no water for the men or their animals. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But king Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of king Jerome's replied, one of king Jerome's officers replied, excuse me, Elisha, son of Shaphat, which by the way, when you're reading that, it looks like it says Snapchat. Really just threw my eyes off. You should definitely look that up and, and read that verse because I was like, what? Snapchat in the Bible? No. It's Safat, which is just a terrible name. Don't name your kid Safat. That's the moral of today's podcast. Anyways, continuing on in verse 11. Elisha, son of Safat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King, Jeho- king Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. Why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel. Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Jerome of Israel said, No, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here, only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, This is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither rain nor wind, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the armies of Moab. You will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. You will cut down all their good trees, stop up all their springs, and ruin all their good land with stones. The next day, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, Water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Meanwhile, when the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them, they mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword, and they stationed themselves along their border. But when they got up in the next morning, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites like blood. It's blood, the Moabites exclaimed. The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. Let's go, men of Moab, and collect the plunder. But when the Moabites arrived at the Israelite camp, the army of Israel rushed out and attacked them until they turned and ran. 
The army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. They destroyed the towns, covered their good land with stones, stopped up the springs, and cut down all the good trees. Finally, only Kurathath and its stone walls were left, but men with slings surrounded and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that he was losing the battle, he led 700 of his swordsmen in a desperate attempt to break through the enemy lines near the king of Edom, but they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, and sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. So there was great anger against Israel, and the Israelites withdrew and returned to their own land. That concludes chapter 3, and you can see the Israelite people have, have just really fallen um, uh, deep uh, as their kings barely listen to the Lord, and then they're going up against the king of Moab here, and the king of Moab sacrifices his son. I mean, just, just really, the Old Testament has some stories like this that are gross, and you know, a lot of people who hate the Bible will point these kind of stories out to say God is evil or you know, God is um, angry, whatever you've heard, you've heard people probably uh, say things about the Bible and they use verses like this. And in reality, these verses don't tell us anything about the evilness of God. Uh, you know, there are verses you can point to to say, ooh, that doesn't make God look very good. And, and we, we deal with those on this podcast as we come across them. But verses like this don't say anything about God. It says about human nature that, um, you know, it's, it's a very Western, first world, privileged idea to say that humans are uh, inherently good. Um, there is a lot of good in every human being because they're made in the image of God. But we have to realize that we are, we're marred. There's evilness in each and every one of us. Uh, our hearts uh, are probably more evil than what we can even begin to imagine. Um, in fact, it's so evil that uh, we see things like this happen when people uh, try to cling to power and do things based upon their wisdom and not God's wisdom. And it's the reason Jesus Christ came, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, the God of this universe takes on flesh, and does he come as a king? No, he comes as a as a humble servant. And he lives the life we could not live, righteous in every way. And he dies the death we deserve to die, pouring out his blood for, for your sin and exhausting the powers of evil, defeating the cosmic powers of sin and death once and for all, so that whoever might trust in him will get to share in his reward of everlasting life. And he proves this, puts an exclamation point on this by rising again on the third day. New creation bursting forth. And he invites you and I to be created anew. And then the cool part is we have purpose in this lifetime. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we might be empowered for his mission of restoring the world around us and inviting others into this restoration. And ultimately, we all await that beautiful, glorious day in which our hope is fulfilled, and Jesus returns not as a servant, but as a king. And he restores all to right, including you and I. And the resurrection of the dead takes place. Those who have their trust in Christ will rule and reign with him forever in a world that has been restored to perfection. Yeah, so as we read this and you say, hmm, I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the evilness of humanity. But this book is about how God is fixing that through the man named Jesus. Moving on to chapter 4 of the same uh, 2 Kings here. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 of the same reading here in our Old Testament reading for today. Verse 1. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. 
Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your son can live on what is left over. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to his upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, Tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her, We appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, What can we do for her? Gehazi replied, She doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that same time the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Now, moving on to our New Testament reading, we will be in Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 28. While they were at Listeria, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed, so Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now, the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town, so the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We have come to bring you the good news, that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas from Derbe. After preaching the good news in Derbe and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisodia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas, who 
also appointed elders in every church, with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. Then they traveled back through Pisodia and Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, and then went down to Atelia. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers were there had entrusted them to the grace of God and to do the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. That concludes the New Testament reading. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs 17, verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And finally, we will read the 140th Psalm in a posture of prayer. This is Psalm 140. For the choir director, a Psalm of David. O Lord, rescue me from evil people. Protect me from those who are violent, those who plot evil in their hearts and stir up trouble all day long. Their tongues sting like a snake. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Interlude. O Lord, keep me out of the hands of the wicked. Protect me from those who are violent, for they are plotting against me. The proud have set a trap to catch me. They have stretched out a net. They have placed traps all along the way. Interlude. I said to the Lord, You are my God. Listen, O Lord, to my cries for mercy. O Sovereign Lord, the Strong One who rescued me, you protected me on the day of battle. Lord, do not let evil people have their way. Do not let their evil schemes succeed, or they will become proud. Interlude. Let my enemies be destroyed by the very evil they have planned for me. Let burning coals fall down on their heads. Let them be thrown into the fire or into watery pits from which they can't escape. Don't let liars prosper here in our land. Cause great distress to fall on the violent. But I know the Lord will help those that those they persecute. He will give justice to the poor. Surely righteous people are praising your name. The godly will live in your presence. Father God, one of the most amazing aspects of your character and yet most terrifying aspects of your character is your justice. I say it's amazing because you are the right judge. Everybody will deserve the righteous judgment they deserve. And yet that is scary because I know what I deserve. And I can make excuses for myself all the day long, but I have contributed and been a part of systems and ideas and thoughts that have hurt people. And not even just being a part of those things, I have been the person who has hurt people with my words and my actions and my sin. And yet, Lord, I am so grateful that you have sent someone to take that sin on for me. That Jesus Christ would come and live and die for that sin. That's not to say I take that sin lightly because it's been paid for. No, I believe that sin leads to death. And so I am also grateful that you've sent your Holy Spirit for me to be able to live a life of righteousness. I can actually walk away from sin. I can turn away from my sinful ways, not because of me, but because of you. It's grace throughout. And Lord, I, I just, um, I pray today uh, that you would defeat your enemies. And your enemies uh, are rarely individual people, I think, uh, the way I understand your enemies are more uh, demonic forces and uh, systems uh, and, and industries that threaten to keep your people from finding true life in you. Lord, I pray that you would destroy those. I pray that as your people, we would 
Come all the more to the throne of grace, all the more to Jesus, and walk boldly into your presence by his blood and his blood alone. Thank you, Father. It is in your name we pray. Amen.